It is dumb slut day for all of us. Oh, it's dumb slut day for me every day. I don't know what you're talking about. Welcome to Write Good, the podcast that helps you write good. I'm Sid Oosley. This is a very special episode. Kel is on a break this week. She borrowed my cardboard box time machine and went back about 100 years to see if she could make Theta Bar a breakfast around 1918 and maybe get her hands on a cut of Salome. As per the fire code, Write Good needs to have at least one goth girl on mic at all times. Yeah, the fire marshal really got up my ass about this last time. So joining us for legal reasons, is goth girl and sex scene correspondent Matilda Lewis. Unless my microphone isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing, can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, we can hear you now. Just for some reason, high isn't hearing. You're fine. You just got to speak up. Okay. Maybe my voice was too high-pitched and the thing's being sexist. Out this discussion is veteran Tijuana Bible cartoonist Corella, who you might know from doing the illustrations from a Blood Knife article, Hot Goblin Discourse. A lot of very specific pornography. Hi, Sid. Thanks for having me. I am glad to be here on Right Good. See, Maddie, that's how you do it. Bite me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's let's do it. So as uh, we all are probably aware, in the writing community, it's pretty much held as a truism that writing sex is notoriously difficult compared to other types of scenes. Even writers who are otherwise really pretty good often struggle with writing a decent sex scene. There's even an entire award for like perfunctory, awkward, unsexy sex scenes found in modern literary fiction books. The Bad Sex and Literature Award, they didn't do it this year because of the pandemic. At first I was bummed. I've kind of grown to accept that. I think it's honestly, upon reflection, a little bit mean-spirited. That said, Morrissey won it once. I imagine he was very emopy about that. So really, it served its purpose. It might have made Morrissey mad, and and that's good. Otherwise, eh, not the best. But if you want to make sure that you're never on that bad sex, sex, bad sex scene award shortlist, we can help you out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, between the three of us, we are at least three perverts. So that's... Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge writing sex, but it's a lot of fun either if you're, and we're going to kind of talk about broadly, um, both writing like a spicy scene and then non erotica story, some other genre, or just writing full blown smut. Both of those things are, are fun and worthy endeavors. I mean, that is like the literal definition of pornography, you know, writing about prostitutes. So, so what, what, uh, what makes for a good sex scene, I guess is the question. Well, uh, there's, there's kind of a lot of little factors here. It might also help to, to kind of go over some choices that are maybe not so great. Kind of, I think the first one that you should, should keep in mind is knowing what genre you're writing and knowing who your audience is going to be. I think it's 
should go without speaking, but I'm going to kind of say it anyway. Like a kind of a general rule of thumb is the more your story is focused on sex or relationships or romance, the more frequent and explicit your sex scenes can be before readers start skipping pages. And by readers that would skip pages, I, I really mean cowards a little bit because um, you're skipping the fun stuff. But, you know, you got to know your audience. If you're writing like a Tolkien-esque adventure fantasy, probably they're not expecting any of the characters to go explicitly to pound town and if you're writing an erotic paranormal romance they're gonna get kind of mad if the scenes are a little lacking in heat and spice yeah those books i think the knot is almost legally required oh for sure i think i killed the conversation with it with a joke about oh sorry no i think my thing just cut out a little bit um so i wasn't sure if i missed anything but don't worry it said you you can just cut this cut this part out and post fix it in post that's the moderate the, the motto of this episode. Yeah, I just yeah, coast. Uh, you know what? It's like I don't mind making more work for Sid, cause Sid's not me. So it's all good. No, I think those are some good some good starting points in writing good sex. Another one that I think is is kind of fun to kind of important, I guess, not so much fun, is um it can be fun. Uh I think there's this this kind of stigma about oh like, oh, well people will talk about like reading a scene and feeling like it was written one handed. And there's kind of a stigma about writing about stuff that actually turns you, the writer, on. I kind of think that's bullshit, because I feel like if it doesn't turn you on, why are you writing it? Like, sure, write one-handed, edit two-handed, like, whatever, that's fine. But I think it can be, like, it can make it a lot harder on yourself than you need for it to be if you decide, uh, yeah, I'm not going to write anything that makes me horny. I'm going to write a sex scene, but I'm going to make sure it doesn't make me horny, because it's also not going to make the reader horny if that was what you were intended for. (laughs) Yeah, actually, that's re- that's a really good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's actually really important to be horny when you're writing sex scenes because you know when you're a writer, you know that passion that comes through in your words. And you know, a good writer, of course, can fake it, can fake anything in writing. But I think sex scenes are one of the hardest things to fake. And if you're not into it, you're just you know you're just writing a long, tedious passage that doesn't doesn't real that very often doesn't advance the plot that much. It's just, a, you know, it's a bit you throw in for fun. But if you're not having fun writing it, you're just like, oh, this is a slog. Yeah, if you're not having fun writing it, chances are they're not going to have fun reading it either. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're a normal sex liker, this probably won't be a big problem for you. But, you know, not everyone is, not everyone has that advantage. And sometimes you may be called upon to write sex scenes that don't meet your, your you know, your own particular proclivities and in cases like that you still need to be able to do it what you can do is you can reverse engineer what makes it hot to other people and figure out how that applies to the things that you like and then that that can help you actually write a sex scene yeah for sure and i think yeah that is that i actually can speak to so I know we have like this discourse, like probably like every couple weeks about movies, but I think it applies to books too, where some dipshit will be like, tell me a sex scene that actually improved a movie. I bet you can't name one, but I think that that is dumb and bad. And honestly, even if it's not relevant to the plot, who cares? A lot of the best ones were lost to time. So who, yeah, it's a a question we don't have an answer to because we lost all the Golden Age movies. Think that there's only one inherently bad reason to write about sex and that reason is if you are doing it in a very cynical no one will pay attention to my story unless it's smutty sort of way you don't really want to write it it doesn't really interest you you really feel like it's even doing much you know for the characters but you feel like man 
if I talk about some titties, people are going to take me more seriously. It's going to show. It's not going to be as good. You don't have to do Game of Thrones season one sex position just to get noticed. Just write a good story. And if that doesn't have an explicit sex scene in it, there's no problem with that. It's fine. Don't force it. You don't want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You can get a lot out of just the foreplay parts if you want to keep it like... You don't even have to go that far. You can you can get a lot of mileage just out of like a little flirting in a fade to black if you write well. But no, you're right. I mean, I think that that if you're if you're not into it, it's it's really going to show. I've read a, a lot of books that have you know kind of bad lackluster sex in it, and that's the worst. The worst kind of sex is not even the bad sex; it's the boring sex. You know, it's like oh how, wow, you wrote about like the single thing that is of most interest to most of the population that that most of us think about literally every day of our lives from twelve or so onwards until we're dead, and you somehow made it boring. It's like that's really the worst thing that, that's the ultimate sin for sure like i think that's that really is the number one worst thing you can do with a sex scene if you make it gross that's one thing weird one thing unsettling one thing you make it boring and eh, kill it just don't oh shit you know who does kind of boring ones poison hotel princess i did it's just oh really given how specific it is you're like the gimmick should carry but wow the outer space is like Okay, everybody is Asian lesbians, it's outer space, and I am completely checked out. What is, uh, sorry, what is the Poison Hotel Princess's, like, thing? What is her, what, is, what are her uh, sex scenes about? What's her kink? Is it emetophilia? Because that would scan with her family history. Femdom. Oh, eh, well, all right. I mean, that's, that's all right. From a dom perspective, that doesn't quite do enough empathy to, like, also get the other side of it. So it's a little, like, I really don't like doing this comparison for the reason. It's a little, like, read, like, straight dude written porn that does not care about the women. Mm, yeah. Uh. It's like that, but, like, within one gender. It's just, like, the bottoms are there to be acted upon, but they're not quite... Mm. That sounds kind of... It's just kind of boring. It's not bad. It's just... I mean, it might literally just be that it's not written for me. Well, be. I, I haven't read any of that, so I can't say femdom is theoretically a little bit for me. Or at least it can be. Different strokes, and a lot of it... <laughs> different strokes, yeah. A lot of it does depend, too, just on even the, like, just general, like, sound quality of the writing being good. If the word choices fit, if the rhythm is good. The prose isn't even better. It's just, like, it was itself kind of, like there oh the the uh the prose makes a big difference to me which kind of is a good segue into to the next thing that i definitely want to talk about no that was bad it was all fine it was just like kind of there the word choice is one of the i've read worse sex scenes like she's not bad it it, it didn't not fit it was just kind of like there Okay, we're on this too long. Fix it in post, right? So the word choice is, I, I think any writer who is serious should be considering their word choice. You're using the medium of words that is, that's your, your paint. You need to think about how you use them. That's going to make a big difference in your writing. And I think the thing that kills a lot of sex scenes is the writer just uses words that are off-putting, for the in the wrong way. Obviously, you can write a sex scene that's meant to be off-putting, so this is kind of a bit of a your mileage may vary thing, and you can kind of break some of these rules if you're trying to be off-putting. Kind of the one that really tends to bother me a lot is um, using like anatomical terms 
vagina, anus, clitoris, penis, not sexy sounding words. Yeah. They seem really clinical and distant. Maybe if you're trying to do like a medical fetish kind of thing, it can work. Or if it's a scene that's the character supposed to be kind of checked out and not like into it. But, you know, there's nothing worse than reading a sex scene that's supposed to be sexy that the characters are supposed to be into and it grinds to a screeching halt because the heroine calls the hero the hero's penis a penis. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. It it really brings you out of the moment. But there is a lot of problems. It, it's very difficult to kind of figure out what words to use. I mean, it really does depend a lot on the context uh, that you're writing in, as well as the skill of the writer. Yeah, the characters, the context, their relationship, the plot, the rest of the prose you have, because you don't want to go from like a very distant and detached to suddenly very flowery or more ornate. Usually, sometimes that can be jarring. It just depends. I think the the worst offender I've ever read in terms of sex scenes being rendered instantly unsexy by anatomical terms was the um, Anne Rice writing as Anne Rochler or something, Claiming of Sleeping Beauty. I've only read the first book and I only did because it was like a train wreck and I had to see. So she'll have a scene that like should be kind of hot, like this kind of S&M scene. And then bam, we are talking about the heroine's vagina. And it's just like, <laughs> this is killing it for me. You're ruining it, Anne. I have other gripes about that book. It's it's kind of a feat because I don't think there is a single like three-page stretch that doesn't have a sex act of some form on it. So that's impressive. And it's like a 250-page book in my, co- my copy. Wow. But it's one of those things where I'm like, Anne, you could have wrote like a 15-page like sex scene taking like the very best bits of this. <laughs> And then it would have probably been really good, but also there's like only so many times I can read about this this sad kind of bland heroine getting spanked and having, you know, sad feelings, but also being kind of into it. And then the whole pony play sequence is kind of one of those things where I'm like, you know, this is the best written part of the book, which leads me to believe that Anne Rice is really into pony play. But the unfortunate thing is I am not. I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. It goes back to what we were saying earlier. Writing writing what makes you horny is going to make the writing better? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I should have been hanging out outside of Ronicon kind of dudes. I think that's it's also worth circling back to like knowing your audience. If you have like um a really specific kink, you have to also be aware that that may limit your audience some. So if I'm writing pornography and I have just some light SM, that's the weirdest thing that I have. That's probably got a pretty wide audience. Most people, not most, but a lot of people kind of like that. I mean, 50 Shades of, Ray, of Grey wouldn't have sold like gangbusters if a lot of people weren't at least into kind of like a light BDSM. Um, if I have a really niche and specific fetish, especially if it's one that's kind of gross to a lot of people, then you have to know that you're limiting your audience, which you might be okay with, but you have to be aware of that right right oh yeah i i've i have very much worked the angles of how to smuggle that some specific interest into wider audience fiction but yeah i mean most most of my experience in you've ever read me you'll know what i'm talking about but no you know mm, say no more um yeah no most of my experience <laughs> in writing pornography is both of you have seen my work man. very similar you know to sid's i think where it's like writing for a very that very specific uh fetish audience which is i guess kind of a different animal than writing a sex scene in a you know in a in a, a real book you know real and scare quotes there i you know i consider or otherwise normal books should pander to us that would rule right well you know i'm, I'm just saying is i don't want to say pornography is not i mean outside of the that out of the selfishness it would be funny real writing 
Right. Yeah. It's just a diff- it's a different just randomly have that in there. Yeah. Most of my smut writing has been I've I've written a couple that are just explicitly like this is an erotic story. This is a spank material with maybe some character development. But most of my my sex writing is it is a part of a larger story that is not entirely about sex, but the sex works and it makes sense. So I'm kind of looking at it from both angles, from the angle of, well, how would I write sex if I just want to write something really hot versus, well, how would I write sex if it seems like a natural part of the story I'm writing, but it's not like the thing. And I think actually, I can't remember if we mentioned this in our last time we were talking about this, because I, I can't remember the specifics, but I think we might have touched on the idea of um, even if you're just writing a straight, like just porno story with fucking, the importance of character in these things. Because uh, very often, if you're writing a sex scene, you know, sometimes they can advance plot, but often I've noticed they kind of just like the plot kind of just, you're, you're taking a detour for a little while, you know, a fun little detour that might not necessarily push the plot forward but it is very good for developing character and establishing character and so even if you're just writing pure smut it it really helps to make it hotter if the uh audience can see into the characters heads and have even just a little just just a little bit so they're just not complete fuck puppets you know for sure oh i don't know if you can hear that it is thundering out so oh hopefully you'll get some rain then fingers crossed you know you don't need a whole lot yeah i definitely agree that even even just in just pure pornography, having just even the barest hint of characters, what they are like, what the relationship or scenario between them is, that can really help. It's kind of like how you watch a porno and it's just two people banging and that's like, it's fine, it's good. You watch a porno, but there's like a 15 second clip that establishes that um, the, the, the one character is going to confession and the other character is the priest and suddenly it's way hotter. Yes. That could just be me, but like, you know. No, absolutely. Yes. No. A little, little setup. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a ton. Yeah. You just need enough so that you can kind of get what the characters are. You know, it you it can be in broad strokes, but yeah, if you're just watching, like you said, two people banging, it's like, yeah, I mean, watching the physical act is nice, and I certainly that is good. But it's like, look, I need to know, you know, wh- which of these two is the, you know, the uh, the pizza delivery guy? Which, you know, why is he delivering a pizza? Maybe was he hoping? And which is the, um, you know, the uh, the the snooty cheerleader? You know, stuff like that. Uh, usually, if you're if porn, it's like I need to know: is this the bitch character? Is this the girl next door character? Even if it's a broad archetype that helps a lot to establish quite a lot of action there is of course a relationship between these two sex and violence for the purposes of art so i can at least speak to this how people perform in action scenes is one of the best character things you can do and sex scenes work on a similar logic for those purposes yeah yeah absolutely how somebody fucks will tell you a lot about who they are and in fact you know you can write very hot fuck scenes that are literally just characters internal monologue about what is happening and how they feel about it which is a great way to just like it's a it's a great excuse to just have the character monologue and tell the audience you know important exposition and the audience isn't gonna even be like oh this is just a lot of like the writer being lazy and just telling instead of showing it's like the, the audience is to be too busy jerking off to like notice that you're like doing the uh the hard work of literary lit- literary stuff 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, to bring television into this, like, a complete hack. Uh, on The Sopranos, Ralphie fucks weird. Like, he's a complete masochist, and it is a part of his characterization. And he's dishon—he's a bit dishonest with his boys about it, because these are guys who will make fun of, like, their boss for eating pussy. But they will make fun of him for eating top-shelf pussy. Well, you know, heroes don't eat pussy. Yeah, yeah, no. So, like, when they're making fun of their boss for snacking on some high-quality box, uh, that this dude is, like, taking it in the back door and wants the lady to describe renting him out. Well, ever, real heroes don't eat pussy, they eat ass. So if you have, like, a character who's, like, this big macho alpha male, and then he's, like, really domineering in the bedroom, that's very different than a character who, up until that point, has acted exactly the same as alpha, alpha macho man one. But once they get, you know, behind closed doors with a lover, they're, they're more submissive or more gentle or caring. Like, those are two very different characters. And sex can be a good way to show kind of, like, who the person is, like, at their most vulnerable. That's, like, almost, like, the, the, the real self in a way some or or like a fake self that they really put on because i'm, I'm gonna use the support like there's a good goofus gallant or whichever way you want to put that in the soprano first two guys that janice fucks like on camera first one like puts a gun to her head because that's a thing he likes the second one is again very insistent at like she treat him like a streetwalker so it's a very different and she's game for both yeah. Which is like, it tells you about both her and each of her partners, like which way they, all of these relationships are. Like it enriches the character because it's a literary TV show. So it's, 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 it's what you guys are saying. Yeah. But Maddie is right. And like, not only is it like the real self, but when she mentioned like, oh, even if they, they, they are fake during sex and putting on a mask, that again is, is a huge thing in character development, because in theory, this is the one time when you should be able to be totally honest and open and vulnerable. And a person who continues to wear a mask or puts on a different mask during that, that tells you a lot, you know, that tells you a lot about the character going forward. Um, and the best part is again, you know, you can just tell the audience that the things they're doing are not the way they feel and stuff. Well, they're banging it out so it's a good place where sometimes show don't tell really falls away in sex scenes if you just show like what's happening the tab a slot b kind of thing it gets really boring so you really do want to use that as an as a chance to get into the character characters heads and you don't have to do that necessarily by directly like monologuing you can use it even in you know your your point of view character whichever one that is how they're thinking about something just like the word choice again kind of circling back to that if you've got say like kind of a classic regency romance setup and you've got you're very proper maybe she's an heiress wealthy noble woman the way that she's going to think of things is very different than if for the same sex scene you're in the head of her boyfriend who is like kind of a shady highwayman kind of guy like you're gonna get very different like the exact same physical events will have different interpretations from those different characters. Yeah. And I think that's really important to know what your point of view character, how they would think of things. Kind of circling back again to, to terms, that's where another people kind of like, another place where people can kind of like go astray is using terms that like aren't appropriate to the character. Like we already kind of covered the, the really anatomical medical sounding terms usually don't sound all that great, barring a couple specific circumstances. The same is true of really flowery language. Like if you're using like iron hard tumescence or dewy petals or whatever, it usually just sounds really dopey and overwrought. So you have to kind of be careful with that. 
I was just reading uh, earlier, I was reading Confederacy of Dunces. There's a scene somewhat early in there where he's jacking off. And it's in still the voice used to describe everything else he does. He is still himself while doing it. So he's pretentiously going on about, um, about Fortuna, the goddess of luck, and just like farting and jerking off the whole time. And it's like, it's not anything particularly, like, comedically unhot in this presentation. And it, it's, 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 it's completely in character with the rest of his pretentious Bradcath reactionary bullshit where he's just like a neo-reactionary blogger before the other thing, so. Let's be real, sex can be really funny. Like, even when it's hot, sometimes it's still funny. It can serve the purpose without... You can even sacrifice, in a pinch, the actual, like... I'm sure that's somebody's type out there is, like, fiending for Reddit dick, but I, it's not me. No. Uh, so, so speaking about word choice, though, because we kind of touched on what words are bad, what, what words would be good to use in, in a sex scene? My personal opinion, there, there, are t there are two kind of ways that I tend to approach it. And I think these usually work pretty well. So if I'm writing something where it's not supposed to be very explicit, but you need to kind of know what's going on, I don't use terms for genitals at all. I'll just kind of imply areas of the body between someone's legs, whatever. Um, I'll still use breast and nipple because I feel like those are relatively neutral. They're not so loaded as like genital words, but I tend to more like imply where things are going and i think that usually works pretty well you could still be fairly explicit using that but it's kind of a good option if you're not wanting to make the scene too if you're worried about the scene coming off as too porny it can work pretty well and it can work pretty well as if you're like for the story it makes a lot in the characters it makes a lot of sense if there's a sex scene here but i'm not super comfortable writing a really racy sex scene it's a good method for that the other one the the one sex word that i find acceptable in almost every circumstance for sex parts cock is almost always fine for me there are very very few situations where i'm gonna be like oh no that rings just totally untrue the nice thing about this one too is it's like the problem i have a, with a lot of sex words is you risk sounding really anachronistic if I use cock, it doesn't matter if my story is set today or if it's set in the 1920s or if it's set in the 12th century. It doesn't matter. It still rings fairly fine. There, there are certain ones that are just kind of timeless. There's unfortunately, uh, there, there isn't really a, an equivalent when it comes to like, you know, the vagina. And this is this is sexism to me that there's no like good relatively neutral term for vag. At risk of being cancelable, I actually really like the C word, but I also recognize that in American English there's not very many words that are more um fraught, let's say. Uh, and it's also one of those two where it doesn't always work with every character. Like my Regency heiress probably isn't gonna think of her vag as cunt. Yeah. But yeah, there's I mean even the thing too is like some some words that you might use like in casual conversation, like if I say box, that's kind of funny, but like it's not hot in a sex scene. Yeah, you have to stretch that for lunch to lunch box to even kind of work. Yeah, or something like pussy, which is like, you know, if you yourself are having sex with someone, it's fine because you're already horny. But if you like read it in a book, sometimes it's just like, you know, bucket of cold water. It's another one too, where it's like, that doesn't, that sounds kind of anachronistic. And I know there's like some phrases, like I think pussy is one of them. That's actually a lot older, that usage than people think of it as being, but it's kind of like the, um, they call it like the Tiffany problem where the name Tiffany comes from, it's from like the 13th or 12th century from Teofania. You could have a 14th century character whose name is Tiffany, but also no one will buy it. But yeah, so I think probably building on that, yeah, that the fact 
fact that certain words are yeah like you said they're good once you're horny but beforehand you're just going to be like oh that's that's dumb that's that's vulgar that's stupid and i think we we touched on this last time we spoke that one one possible solution to that is to start off with more flowery language and as the characters get more hot and heavy start switching switching into more vulgar terms which would not only mirror the the mindset of the characters but also allow the audience to be more comfortable with those terms when they actually pop up in the writing yeah i find that tends to work well for me as a reader. And I use that sort of as a writer too. Like I'll use a little bit- There's a whole tenacious detail about this. Gentler language typically at the beginning of a sex scene. And then, yeah, is it fucker gently? That's a good, good song. Oh yeah, I can sing that whole thing from memory too. Yeah, then as it's a little more heated, as it's a little more heated, we'll use like a little bit rougher or coarser language. And I think that works pretty well in most instances. And the other thing, speaking of like rougher language, kind of made me think of that. I think uh, the other thing you really want to take think about is not just like, words for sex parts or sex acts, but just like the phrases in general that you use, the connotation of the words is going to be really important. Like you don't want to use words like pounded or impaled, which kind of have like, <laughs> which kind of have like a violent connotation if you're writing a sex scene that's supposed to be really tender and gentle. But if you're trying to write something that's supposed to be like rough and animalistic, caress is probably too nice. It probably doesn't work quite right. So I think that the connotation of words the words you're using in general for motions, that's that's pretty important. Right, right. The right right word in the right place. Yeah, and then... Almost singing the first couple lines of that song. It's going to be in your head all day, isn't it? It's already, again, I can I, I can do the first few if people, like, I'm, I... Okay. Uh, already in there. So, it's, it's not, been in there. I, I've done this in duets with my boys before. Like, we've... It's, it would be a good karaoke song, I feel like. You don't always have to fucking <laughs> In fact, sometimes that's not right to do. Sometimes we gotta make love. Fucking give her some smooches to you. And potentially uh, controversial territory here. Go for it. Wanna, wanna get... Oh, sorry? Some, some territory that could get me canceled. Oh, no, you got, you got a hot take? Go for it. We're already all canceled. I wrote goblin porn. Corella enabled me, and I don't know what you did, but it's... I've done bad things. You already belly danced, so we're all... We're, we're all... We all live in hell, so... I, 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 I don't know. I want to hear what this is before I uh, commit to not canceling. I'm saying go for it. Like, it's... We are a cool show. We're not narcs. So, I'm sure we have all seen the, the bad Twitter takes where someone seems to do the, oh, if you don't, uh, don't model perfectly good behavior, that means that you are, you're, you're condemning. You're, 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 if you don't condemn bad behavior or you don't model good behavior in your fiction, that means you support it and you think it's good. And I think that's something that people kind of trip up on when they're writing sex, especially, and, and here's where I'm about to get, the take's going to get hot, especially when we're talking about consent. So there's a very kind of black and white, the sort of view of what constitutes consent that gets bandied about mostly, I assume, by teenagers who have never actually had sex, that if someone isn't vocally- adults who are also like that vocally like yes do this to me that means they do not consent and you have been don't doing a bad but that's boring to read oh yeah no you can get into like the consent argument can itself get very surprise surprise the tactics they were using that led to stonewall were literally saying that society
society did not consent to women wearing women's clothing because they happen to be trans. So, like, this can get ugly if you take it, like, a little beyond, like, the immediate parties involved. Well, I'm thinking even specifically in a sex scene where, like, if a character doesn't say, yes, do this or whatever, then somehow it's not consensual. Where in actual real life, if you have had sex, you're not stopping every time you move on to something else to be like, oh, is this okay? Oh, is this okay? Like, there's a lot more that goes into it. There's body language. Yeah, you you speak in body language for a lot of these things. Yeah, there's body language. There's what your pre-established relationship with the person is. I think that's another kind of another part of characterization that you can get into. Like if it's two people who are new to each other or new to sex in general, they're probably going to seek a lot more reassurance that what they're doing is okay. If the characters you are writing about are like a couple who has been together for like 12 years, it could be one of them sticks their hand down the other person's pants and the other one says yes or no. But there's no like, is it okay if it's just, you know, one thing follows another. Yeah, if you opened on them fucking, you could use how familiar they are with each other as like oh he knows where her little happy spot is okay they know each other yeah it it establishes how the characters interact with one another and can establish the relationship it would seem kind of weird if you had say like a married couple who'd been together for 15 years and with every new action they were doing that was asked if that was okay like verbally that that would be awkward but if it's you know two 19 year olds neither of whom have had sex before like that makes sense like it works yeah i mean unless it's like you know benny shaps with his wife then yeah I mean, I, th- I think I imagine they're they're just asking each other if it's dry enough, but <laughs> he's like, mm, well, it would be uh, that would be just uh, logical and prudent. And using gorilla grip glue for lube, so it'll be it'll be worse. Oh. oh. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of, uh, like you said, a lot of sex writers do kind of get caught up on the idea of this fear of modeling bad behavior, possibly, like, like you said. People not understand, like, the basic, that there's an entire multiplicity of, within the confines of morals, presentations in fiction, of, like, if the bad behavior is depicted and you, the audience, are like, that guy sucks, then the fiction has modeled bad behavior as bad well here's my spicy take if you're writing a sex scene that means the people who are reading it are probably going to be adults or probably intended for adults maybe if it's like a less explicit scene teenagers and at that age you should kind of be able to know what's okay and what's not yes the one time you're gonna catch like strays is like me when i'm 12 reading like augustine burroughs because my mom wanted someone to talk about it with so i'm just sitting there reading this passage i'm a 12 year old i'm reading at night and I'm i'm a dragon shirt kid and i'm reading this book and the protagonist is suddenly just deep throating adult dick yeah it's it's a little sudden in the book too like it's they it's well, there are plenty of people, uh, like myself included, who... He's really edgelord proud of the fact that it's, like, age gappy. thing is, pretty much everyone reads... When you're reading that at the age of the recipient, you're like, oh, shit. Pretty much everyone reads smutty material younger than you're technically supposed to read smutty material. I read my mom's romance novels when I was like 10 and 11. They're not super explicit, but you know, they were a little spicy. But I also think that like putting the, I think if you start thinking about, oh no, what about the 10 year old who might read this? It's not for them, but what if they might read this? You've just kind of lost the plot. It's not really your responsibility.
possibility. Good. If it's really no, the, the, uh, yeah, like I, the thing about that book that ruled, like the David Sedaris is just better, but like it's audition fodder. Ronnie says it's really good because you can just do a dramatic reading of anything, and as long as you don't corpse, it rocks because it's just like yeah, yeah. Like I had like me and my I brought it in. Me and my boys were doing dramatic readings in the cafeteria. It was great. Like my boy Andreas really took to it as material. It was it was good. Like if you've ever wanted to see like a like a fat kid reading like very braggy NPR porn in a cafeteria full of children, like that was a fun time. Okay, it was cool. <laughs> I missed that dude. Um, but yeah, no, I think if you're out there, Andreas, what's up, man? Yeah, I think uh, one thing that to keep in mind, I mean, like touching on like what what you said, Maddie, is like when you're writing porn, you are writing a fantasy. You are selling a fantasy that is not reality. And like you know, I've read I've read porn. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm written porn as well and i noticed that like when especially younger writers who get caught up in the idea of like being real being realistic and modeling good behavior they will put in things like oh we got to make sure that like to to mention that they stopped to put on their condom and take their birth control and it's like i don't need to know that in the audience you don't need to take the birth control pill right before anyway well, yeah, that too. I mean, obviously, these were written by like fifteen-year-olds who didn't know what they were talking about. They're like, "Yeah, she, uh, he put a condom on his uh, his balls." If you're a fifteen-year-old boy, I get that one mistake, but it's like if you're a girl, like you're taking birth control, or your friends are. My God, girl, like Jesus. Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing is, oh, hey, you'd be surprised how many girls just like don't know shit about shit because American sex education is bad. Yeah. Oh, right. I keep forgetting that, like, I am an abnormally, like, 99th percentile on the tests kid. I'm just saying is, like, I, I see a lot of writers who are, like, I who feel the obligation to put details like that in because they don't want the audience to think, oh, no, I should go out and have unprotected sex. But what you're writing as porn is not... All you gotta do is say, you know, sliding on that Jimmy hat and then get back to it if you need that. It's not an instruction manual, you know? And I mean, I don't I don't care if I read porn and they have this little intro in the beginning talking about putting on a condom, but I know a lot of people who are like, well, that just took me out of the moment and now all I can think about this entire time is like, you know, I don't know, latex and rubber. So I don't know. I mean, it's the the important thing is in real life. Yes, you want to you want to practice safe sex, but when you're writing a story, you don't need to put things in there just to like model good behavior. If it's there's a reason, like you know, if if you yourself like, oh, it's so hot that they use birth control, or if it's like character or plot relevant, then sure. But you know, there's no reason to put it in just to you know, so the audience knows this is the correct way to be. That's actually a huge peeve that I have in, um... Standards and practices, but, like... Yeah, and... and, and there's nobody telling you to do it? Corporate is coming down to your fan fictions and demanding condoms on, in your, in your, in your, uh... Like, on, on Loki. Loki's dick. He can raw dog it. And, uh, in fantasy stuff, no one cares. A big peeve I actually have in fantasy stuff is they'll, like, go to a grinding halt to talk about whatever magic thing that the heroine uses so she doesn't get knocked up. And I'm like, just let me suspend disbelief. I don't fucking care. <laughs> oh, so true. Yeah, they have, like, a whole chapter being like, actually, the reason they don't get pregnant is no one cares. Yeah, I don't care. I'm just going to assume it was not meant to be. It did not happen. The rip in get hotter that way. Like in real life, people have sex and sometimes they don't get pregnant. We'll just assume that's what happens. You know, you don't need to explain anymore. You know, it's like how you don't ever have to say how everybody's digesting when no one shits their pants. <laughs>
It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of like that. It's kind of, I feel that way. It's like, you don't have to tell me that people are pooping for me to assume they're pooping. I don't care. Yeah. Unless there's some, some real reason why you got to talk about the deuce someone dropped. You don't got to talk about it. I feel like. Unless it's hot. I mean, then if you want to talk about it, then sure. That's a big hard no for me. But if that's your thing, I can't judge. Well, I mean, maybe a little bit, but I'm not going to judge too much. Sort of also related to that is the idea that like insects, you know, like just as you don't need to model good behavior, to some degree, you don't need to even model reality. You know, you don't need to describe where every like tab A and slot B and all that stuff is exactly. You can be a little loose with your anatomy. People will forgive that. You can also be a little, you can be a little vague in your descriptions. You know, it's really the important thing is the vibe that you're going for. As long as it's hot. You don't need to measure the dick. Yeah. As long as it's hot, you can get away with a lot. Oh, that's actually, that's another huge peeve that I have. And I don't see it much in, um, you know, in like sex scenes and books that are not just erotica. But I see a lot in amateur erotica where they'll mention like the exact like length and inches of the guy's dick. And I'm like, I don't care. Don't tell me. I don't need to know that it's a 10-incher. Like, if you just say it's big, I'll imagine big. You, you know what's even better about that, though? Because I read a lot of pornography that involves measurements. Oh, yeah, I feel you. And it's great because 90% of the people writing porn, like, don't understand measurements. They'll be like, she had the biggest tits in the entire world. They must have been, like, D-cup, you know? Or, like, oh, this... this it's literally the average now. Like, yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, if you're reading an erotica about large women, like I do, and it's like, this woman was so huge, she couldn't fit through the door. She was like 200 pounds, maybe. You know, it's like, okay, you clearly don't know what you're talking about. Oh my God, that happens so fucking much. Like there's very few people. Leave the measurements out. Look at some reference for like this is a... Maybe if she's 200 pounds and two feet tall, she can't fit through the door, but. Okay, fair, fair. Goblin girls. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it, that's goblin girls. But yeah, no, uh, the, the bra sizing, for one, it's really hard to actually just hearing a bra size, imagine what boobs, uh, a, set, a set of boobs look like. He's a fan. Even, you could, you could say 34D and I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you what 34D looks like necessarily. It doesn't matter. And then. <laughs> I have a rough guess, but not for all of them. You get like. 10 different people who all wear a 34D and they probably all got different looking titties. Like, yeah. the measurements don't really matter that much and they usually take you out of it. And it especially takes me out of it when people try and cram that in like a pre-contemporary setting. It's like, please don't tell me in cup sizes how big this woman's boobs are and it's 1910. <laughs> <laughs> please don't do that to me. You gotta use whatever they had at the time. <laughs> That's the, if you're gonna be period accurate. Yeah, I just... Got to figure it after it. Like, is she a flapper or is she like a... What the hell did they call the pretty women at the back of the day? Like a vamp. It's like when you're like, ah, this Venetian princess with like double D boobs. Yeah, no, that doesn't work. Maybe it can work if you're actually like trying to do like comedy. But if you're definitely not trying to do comedy, it's it's a bad look. It just ain't good. Yeah, like you said, that is a big thing in, in amateur smut. Mercifully, I see it very little in stuff that's actually published. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But yeah. amateur smut, it's like, okay, cool, yeah, I'm going. I'm just, oh, you told me what her bra size is, and there is no way someone of the other dimensions that you have told me of 
has that bra size. The other thing, too, is I really hate when people do specific height and weight most of the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just say they're tall or they're fat or they're skinny or short, like, <laughs> compared to other characters, maybe. I have that information written down. I don't put it in the bros. I actually don't. I usually uh, will have, like, a, like, I'll have a, a, a mental, like, okay, this character is taller than this character who is taller than this character, but not like a, this character is six foot four. This character is five foot two. This character, yeah, that doesn't. Well, the other thing too is like, I can't, like, it's very, like, height is one thing. It's usually pretty easy to guess how tall someone is. It's very hard to guess how tall so, or how much someone weighs just looking at them a lot of the time because there's a lot of factors that go into that. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, also, just speaking of amateur, or um, or should I say, amateur sounds so derogatory, um, porn by the plebs, as opposed to, you know, actual... Sounds less derogatory? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, um, but amateur porn versus... Uh, so in Steam, they have, a, they have a system. This is the green circle porn. Uh, this is like bunny hill porn. They're, 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 this is, yeah, bunny hill porn. There we go. You know, uh, I'll say like, um, you know, amateur porn you might find online as opposed to like actual uh, a sex scene in a book. I will say this, amateur porn, much more normal because, you know, usually when, especially if dudes are writing it, because when dudes are writing books, like here's a sex scene, they're like, okay, I'm going to be go full, M you know, guy in your MFA class right now, uh, Twitter account. And they just do like extremely bizarre shit about like labyrinthian uh, urinary systems and stuff. Whereas you read like amateur porn online, it's like, ah, she had big boobies. And it's like, okay, I can at least understand what's going on here. I can picture those in my head. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can, I can get a boner to that. So good on amateur porn is what I'm saying. I know what big titties look like. Yeah, exactly. It's like I've seen them. I've heard I've heard speak of them. You know, I can I can imagine it in my mind's eye like a like a diamond, you know? But uh yeah, so so good on amateur porn for for getting straight to the uh the chase is what I'm saying. There are honestly there are some virtues to uh to, to porn that has not been polished through the uh the uh publishing system. Yeah, I think sometimes it's a little more because then you gotta go through the taste of all the publishing Karens. I mean, you know what? Yeah. It's... Yeah. If it's something that's it's literally been written in a sexual frenzy. Oh god, they're gonna get so mad at me. You know, and just to get down on the page before the author can like you know come, then like there's something actually very there's something very visceral and raw about it that you might lose in the polishing process. You know. Um, oh, shit. I, I wonder if my character descriptions that are a bit much read like that. Just say, um, just say the titties are big and the ass is big. Yeah, sometimes you polish it too much and it's just not as interesting anymore. You you don't need to make it too normal. Yeah. Sometimes you need a little, little spice of, of weirdness. Uh, I think also... Oh yeah, no, I just get way too prurient with making some observations and almost everybody who reads it asks like, yeah, they'll just read a description where I'd like describe a lady's appearance and it's like, hmm, this dude has some taste, doesn't he? He's a little too into those thighs. <laughs> I did have a friend of mine read uh, my novelette that I am still waiting to hear back about. It's been 96 days now. Uh, I, I had a guy, a friend of mine, read it and commented that all the main character, all the male characters were sexualized. And I was like, I wasn't trying to do that, but gender equality, I guess. It's Maddie because you're just that good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my talent.
<laughs> it's like, I don't, it's like, is that a problem? It's like, sometimes dudes like to feel pretty too, you know? This is why we all, this is why we all watch JoJo's. Sometimes you just want to feel handsome. I'm honestly not a hundred percent sure where he was coming from. Did you read my novel at Corella? I feel like you might have, but I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Is it, uh, Honey and, um. Yes, yes, yes. That's the one. Oh, yes, I did. That, did that, all the guys that, seem sexualized in that, or is that just uh, my friend's particular perception? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but it was also extremely sexy. So, I mean, it was extremely horny, so I thought that was the point. It was kind of the point, but... Also, like, the ladies were kind of, like, you know, sexualized too, so I don't think you were, you know, I, I don't think you were... It's a horny story. Yeah, I, I don't think you were... It wasn't like I was reading and being like... It wasn't like you were writing, like, yeah, there's a lady, and oh my god, this dude with his dick, oh, this sexy priest, you know. <laughs> it, everyone was pretty, like, pretty raw in that. Uh, that's why it was a good story, you know? i read that. Yeah. I can send it to you. I, I've also got just some full-blown smut with some of the characters from that, which I keep thinking, do I want to put that up on my gum road? And uh, if so, do I want to do that? Or, or, or do I want to like make a new pen name just for smut? And I haven't decided yet. I also am kind of wondering, like, mm, if I put porn with these characters up for anyone to purchase if they would like to, will that hurt my chances of them publishing the actual story? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, everybody. Nah, that's interesting. You just no, no. What you should do, Matt, do it under a um uh, under a pseudonym, and then when you send it out, be like, hey, you know what? These characters are ready of a fan base. Look, people are writing smut about them, and you should totally <laughs> publish this because a pre existing audience. Oh, that's it. I don't think that would work, but I wish it would. Oh, uh, I think if you had a file from like enough socks, maybe, but that that seems like a lot of work. That's way too much work. I know people uh, people have done that, like, especially uh, there's a pretty notorious, like, sock puppeteer in the Harry Potter fanfic community back around 2005, I want to say. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, that that's too much effort for me. I'm lazy. Did it Did it work? Uh, I got a link to that since you brought it up, because it is fun. Wait, did it, did it work? Yeah, it, until they figured out what was going on, it did work, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say like, but man, that's how they got that's how they got Harry Potter published. It was that their initial detractors were like the weirded. It was like they had attracted initially the ire of like the weird straight people part of the Harry Potter fandom. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's a story. Yeah, like there was the there was the politics of it that let Miss Scribe do that for longer. Uh, yeah, it's worth uh if you want want to hear like some like the chugs were her initial enemies, so it was like a big some buck wild internet history. That's an interesting little uh little anecdote to to look into. Why lead me to the red cage when I want the tall white tower? When I want to watch the ocean? When I want to be alone? What's the use of talking when no one tries to talk me down? Where's the point of language when no one can communicate? And anyway, circling back, is there anything else anyone wanted to add about writing good sex? We all have some opinions, but they're at least worth airing, I suppose. You go first. You know what? What about what about our? Oh wait, really? Okay. Thank you. Writing that you found that has sex in it that's really good, that you think, like, yeah, this is good. If someone was wanting to write muddy stuff, here's something to read as, like, kind of research. 
Oh, okay. I've got one. This I think uh, this this is this is a little um, uh, well. This is this. I don't know how well this would do, but there's a book called uh, "The Fox Woman" by Kidge Johnson, which is a it's a very beautiful and lyrical book. It's one of my favorites. It's uh, about it's it's this is gonna it's it's about a kitsune who falls in love with a Japanese nobleman in high era Japan. Yeah, so it sounds very it sounds extremely like no, I just love Japan, but it's a very good book. And um, there's a uh, there's a great scene in it where and the whole book is written in a very kind of dreamlike writing style. So when you get to the scene where later in the book, one of the, the Kitsune's brother is giving a hand job to the nobleman in like a hot tub, but it's still written in that same style. It's just it just flows so naturally and gives you a boner so so subtly that you don't realize what's happening until it's all around you. So I would recommend that as an example of a of a, a very good subtle a subtle sex scene that remains not crass all the way through, yet somehow is still extremely horny and good. People underrate the handy. Is my take on the handy. Yeah, hand jobs are generally not. They don't get a lot. They get short shrift in writing. Uh, this is one of the few instances that I remember actually seeing it. Usually, if you're in selling a fantasy, you're going to go straight for. Which is so weird because it's like the one that we all know the most about. Yeah, but that's why we need it the least in literature because we've experienced it in real life, and people are like, oh, "I want to read about like fucking sixty nine because it sounds great when you write it down and you try it in real life. It's a disaster, but you know, you're selling the fantasy." Yeah, as soon as somebody farts, it's just leave the fifth on that one. Yeah, somebody farts unless you're James Joyce. That's 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 game over. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, that uh, actually, you know what? I, I had a had a had a kind of peeve actually related to the, um, the 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 sex acts that no one talks about but everyone does. I'm like, you know what? They could write more about handies. You could write more about oral sex. I will say it's really hard to write a blowjob that sounds sexy, <laughs> but it can be done if you want hard mode. Like that's a good one. Yeah, if you want to read like a funny one that works again, like I, it's like I'm saying this is a flawless book. It's like playing it, with scissors is really funny in a way that like informed some of my a weird amount of my comedic opinions. I'm a I, for disclosures and to disappoint anybody who has been listening so far. I am a straight guy. A fair amount of my sense of humor was formed by reading some like gay NPR books in the mid aughts, like when writing. So I write we a little distinctly for that. Between David Sedaris and Augustine Burroughs, like that was some of my foundations of being literarily funny. Other than just like the Douglas Adams Pratchett thing that every guy who writes the SFF does. Not me. I read Dave Barry. No, I think if people want to. Oh God! I mean, he's good, but he's like I. I don't know if he has any gutbuster lines. Is the thing. I, I'm not that familiar with Dave Perry because I'm, I'm not even 30. So. He's, he I think if people would like to write funny and the, the, uh, would write to like, like to write funny in the British SFF sort of vein, they could do a lot worse than reading Jonathan L. Howard, who is hysterical. Oh, Johnny Howard slaps. I love him. He's very, very funny. Uh, not very horny. And uh, by, like, I, I might be most similar to him, although with very different specific taste. Not quite so dark. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I'm not British in the way he is, very clearly, but... That, too. Well, I mean, he is literally British, and you have just British ancestry, so there's a, there's a, there's a degree of remove there. Yeah, no, like, I have more of a human Labrador kind of prose, but... Something I would recommend as far as, like, writing, like, stuff to read to kind of learn how to write good sex, um, I highly recommend reading poetry, actually, like, good, raunchy poetry... Yeah. Poet 
poets just not to knock fiction prose fiction writers but poets just pay more attention to words and how words work together than prose writers do as a general rule of thumb like maybe not the rupee cars of the world but like the really good poets like they know all about economy of language they are masters of choosing i think she would do better at it they are masters of choosing the right word for the right situation so i really recommend Whoever's in the writing circle really, really just—I gotta—they—they gotta give us a bit of an apology. I'm sorry. I agree, but they gotta. I get it. She's pretty. She's still critiquing her writing. Don't be a dick. None of you got delayed anyway. Stop doing that. Um, but yeah, poetry is great. And how to be in a writing circle with pretty girls? My God. For for learning how to write sexy, I particularly, if you are more inclined to contemporary poetry, which is more free verse type stuff, I really recommend uh, Louise Gluck, who I believe was poet laureate last year. She has a lot of poems that are like of a kind of racy, uh, very sensual, even if they're not necessarily about sex. I think she's great. Pablo Neruda is like an evergreen recommendation for learning how to write sexy stuff good. His poetry is gorgeous, even translated. I'm sure if you can read in the original, it's probably even better. If you want to go old school a little bit. Oh, speaking of reading in the original. If you want to go old school a little bit, 19th century poets like Algernon Charles Swinburne, some of them are awesome. And Swinburne in particular is great if you're into kind of the freaky shit, since he's got poems about sadomasochism, necrophilia, all sorts of fun fucked up stuff. He's really good. I, I I liken him as like um like a Victorian Trent Reznor, but like early Trent Reznor before <laughs> he was doing soundtracks for Pixar movies. For all of his stuff, like really raw and raunchy and kind of shocking, but like also good. That's kind of how how uh, how Swinburne is. So I recommend him a lot. Tangential to the poetry suggestion. One other thing that I find really helps me when I am writing something that's kind of racy is I make us like a playlist. I, I'm I'm one of those twee playlist writers, and I know it's it's kind of shameful and dorky, but if I can make a playlist, I will make some playlists if you want to make me some because I keep forgetting to do it. If I can make a playlist that like captures the mood of the scene that I'm trying to write, it's really really helpful, at least for me. I just let the algorithm do it at this point. But you also have to listen to a lot of like sexy music, which I ended up writing a lot of stuff that is not remotely like butt rock while listening to butt rock. Hey, butt rock's good. I also it does not show, but it it's you know I write a lot of stuff that's definitely not Megan The Stallion while listening to Megan The Stallion. So sometimes the mood doesn't even have to be quite the same. Oh yeah, yeah. There's um got it before poetry completely leaves. If you want to hear my recommendations for horny poetry, we're going classics because I was at one point a competitive Latin guy. So uh, my 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 background has some bizarre piece of information. Anyway, start with Sappho, because she's the best. She literally invented being horny in verse. Not even kidding. Like, she invented this shit. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. She is the mom of all of it. Sappho rules. And also, lesbians will like you. At least the, the lesbians that read. So, is a lot of them. The ones that are cool. Not necessarily yeah. cool, but the ones who read. Well, I mean, we're a writing podcast, so obviously the ones who read are cool, right? Yeah, it all still fits. Like, tell me. Yeah. Oh, right. Thank you for helping me maintain brand integrity. <laughs> Girls, you're you're awesome. I'm sorry. Um, I'll I'll have. Oh yeah, but and also there's a uh, my personal boy 
in this is Catullus. If you ever read some Catullus, and I got taught in class about a lot of it. There's a there's a poem of his that is one of, if not the most banned poem ever, which is called Catullus 16. It opens with the line, I will face fuck and sodomize you. I think it's like roughly, I will face fuck you and sodomize you. And like, it's the, there's a few ways to translate, but it's like, it is one of the most, like, if y'all think Uncut Dorian Gray was some banned shit, this is some like... Speaking of Oscar Wilde, by the way, another really great thing to read if you want to write horny stuff, Oscar Wilde's Salome is fan-fucking-tastic. It is the biblical story of Salome. It is told in very, like, Song of Solomon-type language, which Song of Solomon actually is not another bad one to go to, to be perfectly honest. Like, you know, there's some comparison... Okay, alabaster column with the sapphire veins. Yeah, there's some comparisons that don't really work without the specific cultural context of the time that it was written. However, there are some that are just chef's kiss glorious, regardless of time. Shooting pearls. So I actually do. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be that person. I'm recommending if you want to write horny, read some Bible, Song of Solomon. Oh yeah, back when Bible movies were good which I'm going to qualify that in a very... Like, you actually, to, to make, like, a horny movie for a while, it had to be, like, heavily or otherwise sword and sandily. Oh, yeah. Um, instead of being that Kirk Cameron bullshit. So that's why there's all those horny, mid-century, like, mega opulent, beckoning-ass Bible movies. They rock. Like that one where Gore Vidal had somebody be gay for Charlton Heston the whole movie. That one is an example of this. The fuck is that a... But like it's historical that they were all fucking. Don't be, don't be a, don't be a player. No, I know. I think I know the one you're talking about. Ben Hur. Ben Hur. Yeah. So there's Ben Hur. That one's good. I actually, I, I kind of like some of those mid-century like Bible movies. Not gonna lie, I really like. Pretty dope. The Ten Commandments. I think that's a good movie. They're not my exact. They're watchable. I'm a bit more of a for mid-century. I like drive-in schlock. So. I like a lot of dumb shit. Whether it's exploitation or, like, B-movie genre, but I'm... Or if I'm going to be that guy, also, like, witty-ass shit. I'm a, I, Sunset Boulevard rules. Also horny, but not too horny, but it's still still good. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame that movies just aren't that horny right now. It's for, like, Haze Code 2.0. Haze Code 2, Electric Boogaloo. doesn't have the Haze Code. We're not even fighting communists. <laughs> there aren't even cool communists to fuck. I mean, there are. That's that's our that's our audience. Again, I'm so sorry. I keep making fun of you guys. I mean, I make fun of all sorts of people. It's it's fine. Any other notes? Oh, okay, comedy girl, doctor, hit me up. Any other notes uh, of of import? Anything else that? Uh... Like Myrna from a Confederacy of Dunces, call me if you are if you're out there and like that. Call me. I have a mood lately. Uh, just because we're talking about poetry, I'll very quickly do another poetry recommendation. Alistair Crowley's poetry. It's it's extremely horny uh, for a very specific thing. He's mostly talking about like farts and um, like a diseased badge. So it's also extremely funny. James Joyce in it. It's probably like it's written for uh, it's it's written half to be funny, half to be edgy because it's fucking Crowley. So it's not really sexy, but you can tell he's got major horny energy going on. Wildcats rule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like that's that's that in alone makes it worth reading. That's and one I think of my that, favorite like, running the, jokes on Midnight Pals is the Aleister Crowley <laughs> Wildcats rule. 
<laughs> it's a uh, it's it's based on a it's based on a real incident too. <laughs> Amazing. As in, I knew a guy who said that when I was in high school, and I was like, I'm just gonna stick that in as his thing now. It's so good. But yeah, and hopefully, hopefully that that same that horny energy is really what makes the the character work, and um, it's it's it infuses his his poetry as well. So if you want to just um, you know, g get a feel for how what. Might, you know what? I think there might be an issue. Like the writers now are sort of. I mean, the way that movies are maybe a little unfucky is a fair amount of these people are maybe not that familiar with the subject. That's true. Are you calling them virgins, Sid? That's very mean. I'm not calling them virgins. I am calling them unfamiliar with fucking. They're they're volcel, which is distinct. They may have fucked. Volcel. All Hollywood is wholesale. I'm not even saying, I'm saying they may have fucked. I just don't think that there's like, so if you take like the kind of guy that I am probably in the peerage of that guy with dark blonde hair and glasses who does soy face and writes science fiction and fantasy type stuff, you know, like half of them are sex pests. The other ones you had, you get the hunch that they might be those guys. They do not write in a way that sounds that familiar. They, um, horny, but there's no context. It's all kind of just, a Xerox of a Xerox of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. Well, do they? Uh, I don't think most of them put sex in their stories. If I, because I remember, I, I I assume most of them just write like read some Sam sex. You know, like it's. Do they mostly just write Star Wars uh, tie-ins? I, I feel like. do, and some of them don't. But Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, when did have some real gross writing on the topic that's just like oh that 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 just is it's his uh his his weird sexual uh phrasing in his uh writing advice book which Raquel and I skewered on an earlier episode guys Eiffel Tower that thing the the great example of what not to do in a sex scene if you're looking SFL in my opinion Patrick Rothfuss Wise Man's Fear just it hurts the characterization's weird very like adolescent seeming and it's the main character fucks a primordial sex fairy and he's never fucked anyone before and she says he's the best lay she's ever had oh come on that's so dumb you're not totally sure if the character if the character is just like bullshitting you but there's not enough signs that he is definitely bullshitting you for me to be okay with it it's very stupid I, that should that should go the entire other way, where like it the, the whole it, yes that the primordial fuck fairy should blow your mind. And then she's like, yeah, six out of ten. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a like you. That would be hot at the end if she's dismissive of you. That's the whole appeal of that. That's a like you 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 you're going up like you get you, you you jizzed before you've gotten it in. It's like it's on her thigh. You haven't even gotten it in. <laughs> Even you did you laid the pipe, but you didn't do that. Like it's a get like it. The whole fantasy of that kind of thing is that she is cartoonishly out of your league. Yeah. So there's that, and then there's you're breaking your payphone here with that. There's also the like again bad characterization. Ninja like not ninja people who like fuck so much that somehow they haven't put two and two together about how if you fuck that's how you get pregnant. So somehow they haven't put that together, which makes absolutely no sense because eventually you would think that, oh, well, children don't fuck and they don't get pregnant. Or, oh, these people who aren't fucking aren't getting pregnant. But I guess the, the thing is that everyone fucks so much that they, they just haven't put two into it. It's very stupid. Uh, that's another way that fantasy can be really dumb about sex. I mean, did, they, did he just want to have pregnant ninja girls? Because I'm like, okay. No, none of them get knocked up. So it's like... 
Oh, come on. It's like one job. He one job. Yeah. So that's another thing where I'm just like, this is really stupid. You know that, right? Like, this is really dumb. Like, if you wanted to have a bunch of really horny ninjas who like didn't connect sex and pregnancy and never got knocked up really that often, you could just have a bunch of lesbian ninjas and that would work better. But then, you know, they couldn't pork the the 17 year old main character. Like, use the fry. Jesus Christ. Like, did, again, they don't have the familiar. Like, I mean, I had the kind of experience of high school where this is not even the funniest of the anecdotes, but I missed track practice and ended up spanking a girl with a belt, like, instead. Not even on purpose. It's how my afternoon went one day. I mean, was that. And I don't know if enough people with that kind of background, you stumble into encounters through sheer goblin energy. Shit just happens to me in general, but like. It, uh, it, yeah, I don't. Yeah, the, the the. I can't. Okay. Not enough people writing from that life experience in my genres. I'm sorry. What were you about to say, Corella? I was gonna say I was just I was just gonna say like wait so was that like they made you spank a girl with a belt because you missed track practice like that was it was unrelated. It was unrelated. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. I had missed practice. I was hanging out with some people. And an older girl who was heavy kind of just ate a request. Oh, yeah. It happens. YOLO. Ways to spend an afternoon. Yeah, no, I'm, I was pretty... And I was wearing track pants, so that was a, just a bit of a whole weird day. I, I don't need to get too personal. I've been told to maybe... I don't know. There's a... I just thought, like, there's a not... Like, these dudes were, like... They're all dudes who are, like, mad at half the girls they went to school with for not... They, they still have shrapnel on their shoulders about this. Like, it's, it, it's a very specific type of guy that I am not, but... I'm adjacent enough to that I understand the mindset very well. Mm. So it's like... The unfortunate truth is I can't think of very... Also enough that I was able to get girls through math. Like, just the math of, like, being a dumb... Can, like, again, like, you ask a girl to sit on your face in French class, it might happen. It's not enough of these dudes have those experiences. There's a kind of... Uh, aggrieved sexuality and a lot of uh, straight dude... Yes. FF sex scenes that's that's it a little bit off-putting that is it that is, you've gotten it and especially when it's from someone who's like okay you're like a married man so why don't you like put some of the energy that you ostensibly probably have with your wife like put some of that energy into it instead of the energy of like put in wife guy energy wife guy energy owns i'm just a huge fan of that i think the wife guy is good or if you're writing like a, a guy who's like 16 is your hero, like have him be girlfriend guy. Yeah, like just that's that's fine. I think there's a even just a dedicated simp without the aggrieved shit. Yeah, the uh, mm. just it's like courtly love, and you're just going for it because it's a pretty cool dynamic. If you courtly love is very good. That is a thing that I would love to see in more books. <laughs> a bitter little dillweed about it. I would love to see that. It's a cool one. We got to bring it back. I, I find it very befitting of my of my very goth sensibilities. It's just tormented and anguished enough that it's kind of romantic. It rocks. Put out for your audience. If you want to do some courtly shit, hit me up. Yeah, it's it's good. Um, Life is not together enough to be worth dating, so it would at least be something. Yeah. So, uh, do we have any? I'm gonna cut through that. <laughs> Do we have any, like, closing notes, final things? I, we can keep riffing for a while. I'm having fun. 
I, I, I don't have anything else to say, really. So I wanted to close it up unless someone else has something funny or important to say. I, I think that people should write more sex scenes. Don't be scared of them. If you're young, um, they're, good, they're a good way to cut your teeth on, you know, just writing in general. I got some experience. I'm not kidding. It helps. Yeah, it's, a, it's like write what you want to see in the world. Not even that difficult. You know what? Actually, kind of sidebarring that about getting some experience, it doesn't hurt. You don't have to get not a lot or enough. Just but you know what? Somewhere you can research it a little bit, like figure out what turns you on. Uh, you don't. You can do that in the, in the safe space of fantasy, and and that's fine. You don't have to do it in the the real world if you're not ready or you're not comfortable or not interested. But if you want to write good sex, you got to think about sex. Hey, not everybody's going to be me, so you stumble into these situations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's well said. Um, and is that it? I think is. We could go into a couple more, like, typical dumb perspectives that ruin the fun. We, we really, I think there was a breakthrough here with the, like, that's what's annoying about, like, uh, like you know, Funko Pop guy sex writing. I mean, there's always the... Uh... There's a couple other perspectives we get too much of. The... the... Funko Pop guy is one of them. The nice guy. I am being nice to you. Why are you not having sex with me? That gets annoying, but I don't know. That's a bad, that is a bad perspective in, in, in porn and sex because it's like, oh, the guy who never gets sex. That's certainly the guy whose brain I want to be in for this scene. I definitely want to read about a guy not having sex. There are ways to make it work, but you can't, like, you, you gotta either need to remove your sympathy for him or increase his sympathetic characteristics. But he's gotta, but the thing is, if he doesn't bang, what's the whole point of having him in a porn? It's the guy who wants to bang and then he finally bangs but never leaves that that sense of, of weird douchey. I mean, we, we get we get all, like, I mean, I'm sure there are people who like, there's there's people and they're dumb who are really into inexperienced ladies. Oh, yeah. Which is somebody who rapidly, yeah. You know, I actually like this more smut that has male characters who are a little more shy or uncertain or inexperienced. I would, I would like to see that. Um, especially... It's another thing we picked. Yeah, it's try that if it's good. Especially in like um in straight porn, it's really really uncommon. It's pretty much always the woman who is shy or inexperienced. Um, and and I've been in those situations. It's not. I kind of think it's. I I do think some women fake that for some reason. I don't know why. Well, I mean, a lot of guys like it to be perfectly honest, but. Yeah, you know, but oh, it's so true though, because what, what I would. I don't. It's, I want it, It's it's annoying. Like by. Yeah. No. I didn't really have dating success until ninth grade. By the end of it, I was very sick of being first things. Well, I just mean I think no, I think Matt, Maddie, you're right because there's not enough of that because there needs to be more more stories about like oh a shy guy being being taught the ways of like cougar milf, you know, like like. Oh shit, I read a pre- I was watching a really good anime about this. Even like sometimes it can be fun if like both characters are pretty inexperienced. But I get really like, because I read, I mostly read straight romance and smut or sometimes lesbian romance and smut. That's mostly what I read. But especially in the straight romance, it gets very stale. It's like your guy's got to be this like giga chad. Like he can't be like unsure of himself in any way or inexperienced. Usually the only time you have like the, the female character be like more experienced is she'll be like a widow or something who had like a shitty husband who died. But the guy that she ends up getting with is 
not inexperienced. He's just, you know, she's not inexperienced. So I think I think that's a dynamic that is worth playing with and is more interesting. Oh yeah, they gotta have more like lonely widower and then like the nineteen year old punk mowing her lawn or something. Make that a thing. I think that not even my thing. It would be good. I, I like a I'm pretty sure the women in that age category be thinking about college aged fellas. Oh, I mean, like look at uh look at when Twilight was really popular with like forty five year old women who were like really excited about Taylor Lott and are like we as much as we like to like give dudes crap for like horning over dude like horning over girls who are like way younger than them, women do it too. They just tend to be more subtle about it. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. It's more permit it, it's a weird thing. I don't know, like there's a little it, no, it's more acceptable, like, socially for guys, but it's not that it's, like, it doesn't happen with women. People try to be like, guys are so gross. They're, like, always horning after girls who are, like, 10 years younger than them, where it's like, yeah, but, like, women do that, too, kind of, sometimes, but. Mm, yeah. I mean, I guess you could just go into the whole, whole, like, gender politics of it, is that women really aren't seen as sexually threatening, so, like, so what if a 35-year-old woman thinks a 19-year-old boy is hot? Like, who cares? Like, the the, the politics and the, the the optics of that is very different. I'm going to get high-fived for that, but that's still, like, a, if we're going to talk about, like, okay, while this is consensual, it's still sus or whatever. It's like, yeah, flipping the gender dynamics doesn't read, like, who's what if we're sticking within the confines of hetero stuff, like, like age gap romance, but you know, powerful lady can really take advantage of you, and it does not take much of a difference. I'm problematic. You're gonna get us into the age gap discourse. Well, if you were, if anyone was ever a twink out there, y'all, y'all know how older women get sometimes. You were like, you know, in ninth grade. Oh yeah, my uh, my 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 brother, um, who is very handsome used to work at a, like, kind of like a Denny's type establishment and used to get hit on by, like, pensioners constantly. Like, old ladies used to, like, hit on him all the time. <laughs> Which, like, but to be fair, like I said, my brother, he's a very handsome guy, but it was like, I was like, oh my god, like, hearing the shit that they would say to him, I was like, that is bold. I can't imagine saying that to someone my own age, much less someone who's like 50 years younger than me. Well, you know, get to a certain age and it's like, well, YOLO. I think if there's a point where you acquire don't give a fuck energy, <laughs> no one can get you in trouble after a certain point. Oh yeah, no, I, I look forward to, to my, my... That's why half the anime perverts are, 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 are pensioners. Like a billion years old. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, that's another dynamic too, where like, if your like perverse guy character is like an eight-year-old kid or like a 70-year-old dude, it's like a lot less weird than if he's like kind of prime of life. It's just, it's just some little guy. It's, it's fine. Yeah, no, there's a point, like, I, it's, I mean, to bring a thing, I'm, I, Naruto, the pervert is like 50 and it's like, he's not quite old enough for this to work. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's still like, I got canceled by by the Rain Village for a reason. Like young and, and vital enough where it's kind of like, mm, yeah, this is a little sus. If you're like an 85-year-old grandpa, it's 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 not that it's not bad, but the, the optics are less bad. Let him take a child out like into the wilderness knowing how he is for two years. It's like, oh, just take this boy who's a highly valuable military asset wherever you feel like. Rick and Morty it up, fellas. Why not? <laughs> Um, and like they know he's a it's, it's just so another dynamic that I would like to see 
more often that I think gets neglected is uh, I, I feel like, especially in, I see it a lot in like male-male romance and erotica, a lot in male-female, not as much in lesbian romance and erotica, but what I see in a lot is there's like a very fixed, like you are the sub or you are the dom. And it's like really fixed and weird. And I, I feel like I would like to see somewhere like it's a little more balanced. There's the switches. Yeah, like either they, they either they, you know, kind of take turns in the different sort of roles or no one's really either. Like that's fine to me too, but where it's just constantly like it's like one person has stuff they prefer, the other person is just like, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 not as not as kind of like oh, oh that's a whole thing that not enough stuff represents. Yeah. One party has a prurient thing and the other person, while not it into it, is game. That is underrated and very good every time. Of course, you know, if someone's not 100% super into every single thing, every single moment, then it is very, very bad. And no one ever has sex with a partner just to show care or because they love them and want them to feel good. Like, I mean, obviously there's a line, like, if your partner wants you to shit on your their chest and, you know, you don't want to do that, obviously you shouldn't feel like you got to do it. But, you know, sometimes you, you have sex you're not super into just because you care about the person. And, like, I think that's normal, and I think that that is not necessarily even bad. Oh, Corel's about to know that trope from stuff we like. You know the one I'm talking about in this vein. Oh, sorry? Are you, were you, were you spaced out a little, or what's, what's going on? No, no, which was, sorry, I just, I, I cut out a bit. What was the thing? The thing of, like, this isn't for me, but I'm game shows up in our neck of the woods a lot. Oh, yes, that that's a very common trope among a certain sort of pornography. But it's always like, well, I don't I don't really want to, like, you know, eat this whole wedding cake, but I'll do it for my boyfriend. But then it's like, wait a minute. At the end, they always realize, no, it's actually very good to do this, and I like it, and now this is my life. So, you know. I mean, that can be fun, too. That's sort of like, uh, I'm not sure, but I guess I'll try it. And then it turns out it rocks. I mean, hey, you never know. Like, I think that's... Yeah, it, does, it does actually pair well with with, our, with, the, with the cake thing. It, it does. It's a good dynamic, too. You see that a lot in... That is a lot, how a lot of people got there, is, is, is the recruiting. <laughs> I mean, you see that a lot in, like, certain stripes of, like, S&M, where it's like, well, I don't think it's my thing, but I'll give it a go just to try. And then you realize, oh, wait, no, actually, this rules. Hey, and you never know. You never know. Might he'll try things out if you, you know. It's cool to try things out, and it's cool for your characters to try things out. And I think people could could do that. Just have characters try things out. It's fun. It's neat. I don't know if fiction has gay chicken. You know, I think probably there would be a lot if you were if you knew where to look for it. I feel like that's something a certain stripe of fangirl would absolutely eat up. But I have a feeling. Oh, you no, know, they will. Oh, my God. How many times as a, as a little high school dirtbag did I get either paid or promised payment to, to, to do that? In fiction, I feel like that shows up more in fan fiction than it does in, like, people's original work, which is kind of a shame. Why do I keep telling people about the game for anything? Doing with my life. Fan fiction for all of its all of it for all of its sin for all of its sins. Fanfic writers they're cool about getting weird and horny, and that is the one thing that I'll really commend them on. I won't commend them on a lot, but I'll commend them on that. The one that's their literal only fucking saving grace. I'm sorry. And then it's like it. I mean, it's imperfect, and we can it, it wouldn't have to be here all day. But the, like, there's a trying, which is. And I guess there's a, like with amateur porn, there's a reason people sometimes prefer it to something more polished. reason people like it. I mean, I think a lot of it too is it's like, 
you you don't have to do the uh, the heavy lifting of making people care about seeing your characters fuck because they already know the characters and would like to read about the characters fucking. Whereas if it's, you know, your own characters that no one else has ever, you know, there's not a pre-established fandom for them. You have to make the reader care about seeing them fuck. So I can see where, where that works. Or like if it's a character that there's already like an image for, for someone who doesn't really want to make an image of their head of a character. Although at the same time, I kind of think there's something really great and pure about people's own original smut because like, like, even if, you know, your character is Mary with black hair and large breasts and not really all that unique or interesting, it's still, like, a pure... Like one of those chicks from Veronica. It's like a pure, a pure, um... It's not like I'm taking this pre-existing character and morphing them to sort my horny purposes. It's, this character is, like, a pure, like, emanation of my own horniness, even if it's, you know, not the most original or unique character. And something about that charms me a lot, so. Sometimes it can be original and unique, and still bad. Like Veronica, with that, with the spider, with the spider lady. Well, um... <laughs> New idea? Real bad. Veronica was very bad. I was disappointed by that. It wasn't even fun bad, really, beyond the first segment. It just... It... How the fuck did they make Bethery riffing completely sexy. Boring? It wasn't even horny. Yeah, that, that bit was kind of lame. No, I mean, it was horny, but it was boring horny, which is a thing that shouldn't exist. Because... They, they spent all the horny on the spider thing. Well, yeah, it's like each, each progressive segment of that movie got less interesting. <laughs> and the first one wasn't great. Yeah, no, it's like they arranged it in the wrong order. Oh, yeah, they should have, they should have, uh, should have been. You, it literally reversed them. Well, though, counterpoint, had they reversed them, no one would have gotten past the first one. Yeah, all right. I can see you go face ripper, ethery, spider tits. Eye tits that's also a spider demon. Eye tits with the spider demon. I keep mixing up, because she has a fucking stand, like a JoJo's character, but she also has eyes on her tits. Yeah, she has eyeball titties, and there there you go. There is a lot going on there. Yeah, it's, it's I'm sure it's very Freudian. It's, it's, a good, it's the interesting part of the movie. And if you were really wanting to, you could probably do a lot of psychoanalysis on Glenn Danzig just by the content of Veronica. But I choose not to. I don't want to know that. <laughs> I just, uh... It's not even that it would be gross. It's that, like, I don't... What is there here? It's, it's boring. Anyway. You like Gothic. So does everyone else. I have said about everything that I can think of off the top of my head. And I've, I've hit all my notes. Uh, any closing comments? Um, I think uh, I think we've said everything. I think we've we've said a lot. I think uh, writing sex is fun and good. You should definitely do it if you feel inclined to. And there's lots of ways that you can you can kind of write good when you write sex. We look forward to your efforts. More of them should involve eating people. Just try it out. Yolo. <laughs> we had to put it in somewhere. I swear, there's something here. I, it's. Do we just do we should we uh oh do we plug our things? Do we plug things now? Oh yeah, plug plug um both of you if you got anything. Who's Brella? Plug some stuff. You, you do all you do a lot of stuff. Yeah, I guess we're I guess we're we're, we're fixing this section in post, but uh. Fix everything in post, kids. Again, if you are, uh, thank you for listening. If you're interested in checking out my work, got a plug. Um, I can be found on Twitter at Devil's Doorbell, 
with an underscore at the end. There's a good sex pun for you. And that is also the uh, name of my Gumroad website. I've got two stories there that you can download or pay me for if you'd like to. I'd be grateful if you would read them. Um, I've also got a short story, um, an original fairy tale published in the April 2019 issue of Enchanted Conversation magazine. Again, if you want to read that, it's free. It's it's just a fun little story. Otherwise, I kind of keep my internet presence somewhat minimal. And, uh, you know, with that gumroad, who knows? Maybe I'll put my smut up on there. Do it. One of us, one of us, weeble wobble. You, you've read it, Corella. It's, it's, it's pretty good. I feel like I'm qualified to be speaking for this episode. I'm uh the the audience can't see me. I'm doing the uh the chef's kiss right now, but yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty choice. Choice work. So, um definitely I'm I'm very glad that I have had a chance to see it. And uh it's 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 unfortunate that the wider world can't right now. So, yeah, you should really you should put that out. You should put take that available somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and as for me, I'm I'm uh Bitacrella. I'm also on Twitter. You can find me mostly at midnight underscore pals. Uh, where I do uh, horror-related, or uh, com- I guess it's comedy, actually. It's comedy microfiction about horror. We've also got, uh, we just had our second book printed, so very excited about that. Uh, you can see more at that Twitter account. I gotta read those. And also, you can see my own uh, podcast, The Special Presentation, or Alf Will Not Be Seen Tonight, where we talk about uh, comic strips being adapted into other mediums. And that's on Twitter, too. We just got our Twitter account, which is No Alf Tonight. No underscore Alf underscore tonight. So, yeah, check us out. Or me, I guess. I don't know why I'm using the Royal Us, but. I'm gonna go on that show. All right, yeah. And Corella has a pretty good backlog, if you ever. I don't know how it how you feel about your old work, but it is pretty dope. It's really funny. It's all good. It's all good. Everyone should go and look at it and give me money. I could probably like a couple of choice cuts, I guess. Sure. Whatever looks good. If nothing else, I'd probably list the archetypes strips because those were like relevant and funny. Oh, shit. You mean the, the fat archetypes? Yeah, those were good. They were really funny. Oh, my God. I'm like, that's like that. that that's uh no i've been like dude i've been familiar with your work since like 2007 so that's like a deep cut oh my god wow yeah i I have a obnoxiously extensive knowledge of your backlog (laughs) oh well you know uh i'm not gonna complain i like attention i don't mean that in a weird way like of a it's just like i happen to run into it frequently enough no, 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 that's it's like, oh, no, no, I, I like when if people like it. I love attention, so anything doesn't matter. People can be weird, I don't care. I really hope that didn't sound worse than it does. <laughs> I thought that sounded pretty normal. That's cool, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just totally normal things happening, you know, absolutely normal. This is a very normal podcast with very normal people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're all normal. We we all we all like normal stuff. Ladies, hot priests. No one's weird here. Yeah, yeah. No, not even a little bit. Nope, exactly. We're all cool. That's all vanilla. Yeah, no, vanilla now. The vanilla meta for sex, everything you thought was in it, out. The new vanilla is big girls and hot priests. <laughs> that's that's the long one. Here, here. That's the new normal. Cosine. It's all it's all hot priests and, and and big ladies. Can they be big succubi? Because that that really works for me personally. Oh yeah, that was like the be- holy shit. If you ever um, 
Uh, oh yeah, have you ever heard of Coop? Oh yeah, the the goat. Ah, uh, I really want to get that dude to do my book covers. Oh man, he's uh he's 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 because like the, his aesthetic is the exact one I've I've been like working from for the the story as a whole. So nice. Yeah, this plug section got got cool. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else, or is, I guess is that? Yeah. Also, I don't mean to be a total jerk, but I am broke. Send me money. <laughs> oh, uh, you should probably say where they can do that. Oh yeah, no, I'm on Twitter at Megas Deluxe, and my situation is a little like it's. I just keep rolling snake eyes, so I'm broke. Send me money. That's. There's also stuff I could plug, but I'm a little like people have seen what I've done so far. I have new shit to plug. Get on that. But also, if you like audio, or if you thought this sounded good and you have a podcast, Wire. I should have a resume ready by the time this is up. I, I could use more gremlin work. Yeah. If, if you if you want to get something for your money, that is a thing I can do. I, I don't mean to be a total jerk. It's just, I should. You know, cards on the table, and they're, yeah, I'm getting too emotional. All right, anyway. What the hell is our next episode about? It's something cool. Yeah, it's going to be like a me, Raquel, and the guest thing. Spicy. And it's like genre busting. Fun. Yeah, I think it's about like genre labeling and the boundaries and the the dancing around or something like that. Pushing genre boundary labels. Yeah, yeah, like how the book count is not the total. Oh yeah, that sounds cool. So join us next time when we talk about the limits of genre and how to escape from the cosmos and piss on the Buddha's hand. Until then, avoid the Noid, immanentize the Eschaton, and remember that some girls are bigger than others. This has been Right Good with Raquel S. Benedict. Hosted by Raquel S. Benedict and produced by Matt Keeley for KS Media LLC. Edited by Sid Oosley. Theme song by Surgery Head. This has been a Kitty Sneezes production. For comments and concerns, please write to us at writegood at kittysneezes.com. That is R-I-T-E-G-U-D at kittysneezes.com. If you'd like to support us, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash writegood. Kittysneezes.com in color.